Every so often, someone comes along and claims that for contemporary times, we need a fresh way to express the Bible's message. Usually, that new way de-emphasizes Jesus, denies his deity, doubts his resurrection, dangles multiple paths to heaven, disregards biblical inerrancy, disputes the Bible's relevance, and defines grace as a license to sin. Uh, if you bought this book in hopes of reading any of this nonsense, then you've made a mistake. And to exact an adequate penalty for pursuing such foolishness, we're keeping your money. There is no new way that I can present the Bible or improve upon its message. The power in its words and truth are unquestionable and unchanging. What I hope to accomplish in How to Lead by the Book is to make you more aware of timeless principles that have long existed and to suggest how you can apply them in practical ways to improve your life, the lives of others, your business, and our bruised, battered, and beleaguered world. You cannot accomplish this by sitting on the sidelines, reacting to the world around you. Rather, you must lead. In this irreverent and irreligious age, leading by biblical principles have never been more necessary or needed. It's likely that if you're reading this book, you are both a Christian and a leader. Without question, these are complex times for you. Your sense of decency has been besieged by an array of antagonists indifferent and entitled workers, a generation that dismisses behavioral absolutes, courts and governments that treat religion hostily and businesses as the enemy. In the event that some preoccupation has shielded you from observing society's free fall and moral bankruptcy, please take note. As society goes, so go institutions, both for-profit and non-profit. For starters, consider these eight grim evidences of accelerated cultural decline. Then, contemplate the six consequences these corrupt trends will create within your organization. First, our national character and reputation are being reduced to the ridiculous. With mendacious media representatives as their wingmen, radical factions in education and government are revising history. They aspire to convince you that our founding fathers were godless bumpkins and narcissists, whose original intent was to protect the right to terminate pregnancies, make porn more accessible and prayer less visible, and to reshape marriage to legitimize a behavior God has called abominable. To fully appreciate this particular affront, it helps to understand that the definition of an abomination is, quote, abhorrent, disgusting, loathsome, vicious, and vile. Weighing this assault on decency, the words of 16th century theologian John Calvin describe today's age in terms that are hauntingly precise. Here's what he said. For it is the summit of all evils when the sinner is so void of shame that he's pleased with his own vices and will not bear them to be reproved, and also cherishes them in others by his consent and approbation. For he who is ashamed is yet healable, but when such impudence is contracted through a sinful habit that vices and not virtues please us and are approved, there's no hope or reformation. And Romans, Paul sought to condemn something more grievous and more wicked than the very doing of vices, and that is the casting away of all shame and undertaking the patronage of vices in opposition to the righteousness of God. Uh, the second point, one nation under God has become farcical, as activist judges give atheists and agnostics veto power over those who believe in God and support their quest to scrub all evidence of religion from the public square. Third, 
The escalation of secularism has subordinated God's law to human whims. As a result, moral boundaries have shrunk to the point where the unthinkable has become normal. Behaviors once decried are now portrayed as acceptable, and those who speak out against them are labeled as bigots. Fourth, moral failures among celebrities in sports, business, politics, religion, and even with ordinary families have lost their power to shock us. In fact, it can be argued that one of the greatest tragedies of our time is that we have lost our sense of shame. Fifth, Hollywood has accelerated its onslaught against God, country, and family values. Television and motion pictures deride Christians, parodying and pillaring them as stiff, fanatical, joyless, peculiar, and unthinking. Conversely, criminals, deviants, atheists, and addicts are represented as cool, witty, intelligent, victimized, free-spirited, and enlightened.